Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez with you here today and my special guest, Leroy Wilkerson. Leroy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. Thank you for having me. Let me give you a little bit of background on Leroy and then I'm going to have him expand on that. Uh, Leroy is an independent life and health insurance agent and broker. He's the owner of an independent agency called Wilkerson Insurance Agency based in Texas, uh, although he's also licensed in the state of Oklahoma. He helps his clients find the right health insurance coverage for their families, but he also specializes in employee benefit solutions and innovations for small businesses. And of course, we're going to dive into that in today's episode. Uh, Before starting his own agency, he enjoyed a diverse career, including positions in sales. And so once again, Leroy, welcome to the show. And if you'd please add a bit more to your background before you opened your agency. Okay. So career started, uh, I guess, back in the late, late eighties. And I enjoyed uh, a long career, uh, actually at the, uh, U S bankruptcy court. And a lot of people don't realize that, but I spent about 14 years there. And what I found out, uh, uh, working there is that at some point, that the workforce in corporate America was changing and they, we started growing and they started doing a lot of outsourcing and that uh, companies and businesses were having to make decisions uh, not based on employees, but really just based on what was changing in the market for them. Meaning your position, no matter how hard you worked or no matter what you did, uh, didn't necessarily govern what they needed to do for their business anymore. And that didn't used to be like that. It used to be you work hard, you do a great job, and man, 30 years later, you could retire. Uh, And so I saw a shift in that early on. And so I transferred and I went out into sales and I thought, man, you work in sales, uh, a lot of companies are always going to need sales guys. So I transferred and went into a sales position and worked through there at a couple of different places. One was a credit repair uh, company out in McKinney. One was uh, at a dealership uh, that I did auto leasing. And and I enjoyed both. I really did, really did. Uh, but one day I was working there in the uh, credit repair and they, the position that I held, I was in sales management. You know, I was kind of told, you know, we don't want you or need you in this position anymore. And so it reminded me of what happened, you know, when I was working back in the courts and start seeing the transitions there. And I started really start thinking as I was getting older, you know, at any point, these companies and businesses really do have to always look out for what they need, but not necessarily what you as an employee uh, need. So I started thinking, I've got to build my own business because I'll work hard. I've always worked hard. Uh, and I'll do a great job, but I now need to do that for myself. So that's what kind of catapulted me into saying, you know, I want to build a business and build an agency and become self-employed. 
Yeah, that's the great insights. Thanks for sharing. I want to dive into a couple points there. If we go back to when you started your working career, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the whole, you know, going to work somewhere, working for 30 years and retiring, is that what you envisioned back then that you would do? Oh, for certain, for certain. I really thought once I went to work for the federal government that that's where I would retire from, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So you end up then getting laid off. Did you then start your business or did you go work for someone else at that point? What happened then? Well, actually, I did not get laid off there at all. I I never actually got laid off. But what happened is there we started a trend where they started outsourcing and downsizing. So nothing really happened to me there other than I start seeing the writing on the wall that at some point, it didn't look like this could for sure be a 30 year ride for me. That yeah, that was that was the light bulb that went. That was the moment. light bulb, exactly. Yeah. So then you tell me about the transition to opening your own agency. Was that your first venture into owning your own business? No, sir. So then after I left there, I thought I really wanted security. Everybody wants security. And so the reason I went to work for them is I was looking for security. And so I thought the next thing is I'll get in sales. And if you get in sales, you're always, somebody's always going to be needing that position and, and needing uh, salespeople. And so that I went into that position, a couple of different places uh, and worked through that and moved up into the ranks and got into sales management And then I had a similar experience or had an experience to where I was in the sales management position. And then I was told, hey, you know what? We really don't want you in this position anymore. And so all it did was took me back to the lack of employer loyalty because the employers and the owners, they really do what's best for the company. And it doesn't matter if you're doing a great job or if you're not, but if they need to go in a different direction or just want to go a different direction, they can choose to do that. So at my age at that point, I'm 52 now, but I I was in my late forties. I started thinking that was a sign of a little bit of a fear, uncertainty and doubt for me. Meaning no matter what company you continue to work for, even if you are really even in sales, you could still keep having to hop around. I've never wanted to ever do that. That's not what I wanted to do. I know that seems to be the norm nowadays, but that was not my idea at all. I wanted to be able to grow and, uh, you know, prosper wherever I was planted. So when I got the tap on the shoulder that I was no longer needed in that position, uh, I wasn't quite let go from the company. That's when I thought the next step could be Hey, 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 we don't even need you or want you at the company. And that was when the light bulb went off for me again. And so then tell me about that transitioning to opening your own agency. So so I continued to work there for about a year. And during that whole time, I studied and researched opening up an insurance agency. Uh, the reason I wanted to do that, I've known for a long time through ups and downs through the economy and no matter what insurance seemed to have been the constant actually uh and i've had friends that work in insurance uh actually my wife has been with uh one of the larger insurance companies out here for about 29 years so i thought that's probably not a bad way to go matter of fact it could be really good however i knew that also it's pretty hard uh 
uh, breaking into that field and getting started. So, and so that transition period, were you also preparing yourself financially to to make that move since you knew you were going to have some transition time to get the business started? Yeah. So the the financial part was I knew that I was going to have to, of course, have have some monies uh, put aside and saved as well. But also when I started my agency, I started it part time. I had to work through uh, building it as well from a fiscal standpoint of it. So I, when I started, I didn't start 100 percent full time. I still kind of worked, worked in that same field, worked part time and built it, you know, literally brick by brick. Yeah. So I know you've got a couple of kids, one in particular is in school, I believe from our last conversation. What, what's your advice to them as far as either going the corporate route or starting their own business? I'm just curious as to what advice you give them. Well, I give them this advice. I like for them to have that experience. So both of them, I encourage them, you know, go to college. My oldest son, of course, he finished college now. My youngest, he's, he's in college. This is his first year. And I want them to have that corporate experience. I want them to have uh, the relationships. I want them to see how all of that works. Uh, if they have an inkling to have an entrepreneurial uh, goal later or even earlier in life, that's okay. I will support it. However, what I tell them is you just got to know what your position is and know that your position there is never permanent. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And so I think what I'm taking from that as well is you have definitely brought from your corporate career and even working in public sector, those skills have translated into how you operate your business now. And without that experience, you don't think you'd be as successful? Am I am I right in that assumption? Oh, for certain. Absolutely. Yeah. So why an independent agency versus, you know, starting an all-state franchise or whatever it is they call it? So that was one of the challenges with uh, my, my wife and I when I was starting the agency because, of course, she's worked in a captive agent. So that's what they call them, captive agents. Captive. Uh, and, and she's with uh, actually State Farm. And so, of course, she had been championing me to go, you know, into that direction. And I never wanted to do it years before. Uh, and so part of that is there's some pluses and minuses to it. So if you go into a captive agency, the branding is already there. So it's almost like just getting plugged in and you're opening up an extension of them and being a franchise and an arm. And that's okay. However, the products that they offer are just the products that they offer. And in today's market, people love options. They really do. They always want to look at different options. So even when I was in the car business, I only worked at one place. But the place I worked at, it was not a Chevy dealer. It was not a Toyota dealer. It offered options. Uh, I could sell you a Lexus or I could sell you a Toyota Corolla or I could sell you a Viper. I mean, it did not. And I did. Uh, and that was simply because I knew people like options. And the more options you are able to offer people, then that gives you a wider net of people to serve. Uh, yeah. And so becoming an independent agent and an independent broker 
there are many, many options out there. Things change in people's lives and you want to be able to change with them. And being an independent broker allows me to do that. Yeah. And you also touched on something there that I think it seems like it made sense for you in that early on you wanted to work somewhere for a long time. You're looking to build long-term relationships and you felt this give you gives you more flexibility to do that. Is that accurate? It, it offers exactly that. So for example, I uh, help individuals and I help small groups or small businesses, anywhere from two to 50 employees. So when I do health insurance, primarily it's under age 65. If they don't have group plans or if they don't have uh, employer-based plans, I, I help them with that. However, at some point they'll go from being under 65 to turning 65 and they say, hey, now I need a Medicare supplement plan or something like that. I don't really market for all that but I can service that if my client needs it. So it's not one place they're gonna go from that I can't help them. If they leave their employer and need short-term medical, I can help them. If they're self-employed and they need coverage, I can help them. If they turn in 65, I can help them. I can help them all along the way. When they start thinking about these different carriers, oh, I like Blue Cross, oh, I like Aetna, I like Cigna, whatever. I have the options to service them in that capacity. That makes sense. So let's talk a bit more about health insurance benefits for small businesses. What are some of the options that small businesses have to offer this benefit to their employees? So the small business has an option to get major medical for their employees. And the biggest thing today is affordability. The other thing is they have options to offer them indemnity plans, health insurance plans that are not major medical, but sometimes they're a lot more affordable and it fits what their needs are. They also have the options to offer supplemental benefits. So let's say accident insurance, critical illness, cancer plans, dental, things of that nature, any, any, any of any of that on them in the marketplace or outside of the marketplace, we can still help them with it. Mm-hmm. And you, what, what's your, as far as small businesses go, where it makes sense, is there a size and number of employees where it starts to make sense or can it make sense for any level or size employer? So historically, when you talk about a group insurance, even for small businesses, most companies did not want to have anything to do with it if it had less than 10 employees. Mm-hmm. And that's just started changing in the last 24 months. Some of the carriers start going down to group sizes as small as two employees. From a business benefit, it's really, really not that advantageous and most people will not seek them out you're not going to really market to them uh, because it still almost falls into that individual category for for under a certain number of employees you mean yes if it falls under 10 especially when you have a okay. group and it's only two people or yeah. three people and that and that and the, the the thing about it is they need service too and so what I found for myself is a lot of that little small group, they know others. And 
it's a huge referral source because they're very appreciative. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of people beating down their doors. Right. But you do work with those smaller businesses. Is that yes, right? sir. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I do all the time. So what have you seen, Leroy, when you work with small businesses, again, whether it's two employees or 50 employees, mm-hmm. I've read a lot of articles about this, but I'd like to get your perspective on what it, a company who goes from not having offered any health insurance benefits to now offering that to their workforce, what, what does it do for that business? So one of the biggest advantages it do for that business is it gives them a competitive edge. What they look around and find out is that if they can do that and if you can find a creative way to do it to where it fits the budget, the employees by far are going to be happier uh, because most employees don't expect an employer to offer benefits when it's a small group like that. So as far as the benefit of them being able to retain employees, you know, keep employees and, of course, keep them healthier. Yeah. I got to think that that becomes a tremendous competitive advantage in seeking new employees as tight as the market can be in certain segments. It's got to be a huge advantage if I'm a business owner offering that versus someone else who's competing for that same employee who doesn't. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about uh, life insurance because that's important as well. When I advise small business clients, we talk about life insurance in, in many aspects, but in particular, as it comes to play in a buy-sell agreement, for example, where I might be in partnership with someone, and if that person dies, my operating agreement specifies that I'm going to buy out their shares, but where's that money going to come from? And that's a life insurance policy. So talk to me about that and how you help uh, people in business, especially smaller businesses, to have life insurance that covers them for those situations. So when you go in business for yourself, and especially if you have, you know, a a key man or a partnership or something like that, something that could be, that's going to be a game changer if and should one of the person, you want to use the word expire, pass away. (laughs) Becomes incapacitated. Yeah, something, something like that. You know, what happens to your family on the other end? And I see these partnerships and I, and I go in and, and it's funny, it's kind of a uh, a little bit of a sore spot for me in the sense of this. I will talk to, because a lot of the small groups under five, they all have partnerships. Oh, this is my partner. They want to get health insurance. And sometimes I they struggle and grapple with wanting to take that next step and put this piece in place. But if you have a partnership and it's, And they always think, you know, it's me and this partner. Well, no, it's not just you and that partner. It's you and that partner and that partner's family and his kids and his wife or her husband, however the partnership is set up. And if one passes away, then now you become in partnership with the the spouse and the family, whether you want to or not. So putting something like that in place could help you make that transition and say, hey, here you go. Here's your portion. We're now buying you out, and now I own it. And if I choose to go get another partner, now I can do it. You're okay from a financial standpoint, and I'm okay because I'm back to where I really wanted to be in choosing who I wanted to do business with and who I wanted to be as a business partner or key man. And You can't take that lightly, Henry. You really cannot because people sometimes often think when it comes to life insurance, oh, I'm healthy. Nothing's going to happen. Well, you get hit by a truck. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. It really doesn't. 
Yeah, it's, it's one of those things we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it, but it's so critical, just like you've pointed out, because to your point, it's not just you, but the family of that other person. It really can destroy a business if you don't have a plan in place. And the life insurance is key to that plan, because if you, if that portion of my partner's value, let's, it's, let's say it's half a million dollars, I probably don't have that lying around. That's where the life insurance policy kicks in is so that I can buy out that interest. That That is correct. It, and conversely, that family, that surviving family may, may not want anything to do with the business, but what are they going to do now? It's hard to market that percentage of a small business. So they're stuck as well without that. That is correct. Yeah. So what, what are some of the other misconceptions or misunderstandings that you run into with small business owners as it relates to health insurance and life insurance and what they can or can't have access to? What do you what do you see out there? I think the biggest thing I see is is fear, uncertainty, and doubt with that. And and what I mean by that is that they are afraid. People in general really are afraid of what they don't understand. And so then if they don't have somebody that they can trust to really give them some options and that they can really look at and find a way to fit it in, uh, that makes it tough for them. So one of the things that I try to talk, tell them about, if I'm talking to them, is take the information and then research it. But whatever you do, don't run from it. If you have it in place, you shouldn't fear somebody coming to talk to you about it or you being uh, marketed to. Because if you're in business for yourself, Henry, you know, just like I do, you're going to get called on all the time, no matter what. Just accept it. It's part of it. Pe people are going to do that. They're going to market to you. If you have your stuff in place, then you just let them know, hey, I've already got that taken care of. But if you haven't, you can't be afraid to see what it looks like. And then on the other side, say, what does it really look like if I don't have it? Then what? That, that becomes the bigger question. And so having the courage to even just address it and look at it is, is one of the biggest things that I, that I run into. That it's always, okay, we'll talk about that part later. Okay, well, let's get back to that. Or, okay, I'll talk about that next year. And, that, and that's really kind of disheartening from the standpoint of knowing what, how hard it takes to build a business and how easy, you know, you could just crash it by omitting something as simple as that. Yeah. It's great insight and great advice. I think overcoming that fear, get educated, use someone, leverage someone like yourself to get help and, and get on top of it instead of continuing to ignore it. All right, let's segue into, as you touched on, building a business. And and I know that your business, I believe, is built in, to a large extent through referrals. How do you go about generating referrals for your business? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's a closely guarded secret that we will have to speak in code uh, about. So what, what I found was really interesting is that if I do a great job, and I'm not tooting my own horn, I promise when I say that, but this applies to anybody. If you do a great job, people will refer to you anyway. I mean, they really will. I sit down with people so many times and I just do a discovery consultation and I talk to them and we'll get back into that a little later. But after I talk to them and I educate them and I let them know how much I'm willing to really help them, 
they really start asking me, hey, do I need to write you a check? Or will you talk to this person? Or can I send this one to you? I'm letting you know who else can use your help. Uh, so they become, they they start trusting you. When people trust you, they're going to refer to you, uh, refer people to you without you asking. And that has really amazed me. Now, the way I generate referrals, that's one way. The other way is I do a lot of networking. I go out and I meet people and I talk to people and I tell them about what I do and and how I do it. And I ask for the business and I ask for referrals. But I do a lot of networking outside of the chamber, private networking events, uh, doing volunteering work at church, in the community. I, I network. I just talk to people and I, and I talk to them. And the more I talk to them, the more referrals I get. That's one of the things that's definitely your strength is just connecting with people, communicating with people. But where, where it really comes through, as you mentioned, is you're delivering value. You're giving them information, advice, educating them. And then, like you said, they're asking you when they write the check. So I, I think it's because you go about it from the perspective of helping others and you know that business will come your way. Um, on the networking point and the chamber specifically, how do you and a lot of small business owners struggle with, well, should I join the chamber? Should I not? Is it worth the investment? What do you get out of being part of the chamber of commerce? Wow. Um, so that is a tough one in the sense of you trying to figure it out, especially early on. I don't know that all chamber of commerce are created equally. I really don't. I have belonged to two uh, one I'm extremely active in, and that's the one here in Capel. My decision to join it was based on an experience I had with the Chamber of Commerce in McKinney when I lived out in that area. And what I found that is being a part of that chamber, uh, you become a part of a family and a community. And families and communities, just by nature, typically will support one another. The deal breaker is you can't just write a check and say, I joined and think something's going to happen. You have to then go in and earn some skins on the wall. What do I mean? You got to get involved. You got to be active. You got to show up. You got to give business first. I remember when I joined the Chamber of Commerce in Capel a couple of years ago, I literally stood up and told them in the first meeting that, I wasn't looking for anybody to do business with me. I was looking for a place that where me and my family know to do business here in Capel. And that got everybody's attention. So I separated myself when I went in there. And yeah. and, and and I was honest about that. We needed somebody to paint our house. We really did. And I wanted to use somebody local. Of course, I could go on Google and find a painter. That's not that big of a deal. You can get on Angie's list or whatever. But I said, you know what? I want to service somebody that lives and work here in Capel. We want to do business here. Uh, needed a fence done, needed this done. So, and I said, man, I'm going to go in and I'm going to give first. I'm going to give first. So the other thing I know that you've done as it relates to the chamber, and I've found in my experience that is key is looking at it as a long-term investment. You're not necessarily, sometimes you might, but as you pointed out, Initially, when you went into it, you were giving, you were bringing business to others. You were making an investment and networking, whether it's at the chamber or wherever it might be, I have found 
takes time to produce results. So you have to be consistent and you have to stick with it. Has that been your experience, Leroy? Uh, absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, it it's, it's no different than anything else, really. Uh, people have to trust you and people have to get to know you before they're going to start doing business with you. And oftentimes people have the misconception that just because you join and you show up, that all of a sudden business is going to flood into you. That may happen sometimes to some people. You know, you get a roofer that joins and then next week there's a hailstorm. You could probably be a pretty good chance that will happen to him. But notwithstanding that, you know, it's about relationships. It's all about relationships. And, and they want to see they're invested in it for the long haul and you need to be invested in it for the long haul. Uh, and if it's not working out for you, then you need to really go inside the chamber, talk to whoever is in charge and say, how can you really help me? I'm doing what I can to help you guys. But wh what am I missing here? Because oftentimes they don't know. They will not know unless you communicate it with them. Yeah, great advice. So we've touched on, obviously, the services that you offer. But tell us more about Wilkerson Insurance Agency and the whole breadth of services you offer your clients? So my primary focus is uh, health care. And I think we kind of mentioned that. And of course, I cover the life insurance. Uh, the small groups, uh, I really enjoy doing uh, the small groups, small businesses, especially the entrepreneurs, people kind of starting out, needing to look at uh, different options that are budget conscious. Uh, some of the other things, of course, I run an array of people be surprised by how many different dental plans are out there. So I take care of that. Critical illness insurance, disability insurance, which is a really big thing uh, that that small business owners uh, can look at. Starting out for uh, small business owners, you can't get everything, but I have a, a place to where you know, they can come and say, this is how we can build it. Wilkerson Agency is designed to help uh, families and small businesses in all areas to protect it. So my tagline is actually protecting families. That's what we do. Protecting businesses. That's what we do. And then tell me a little bit more about the discovery conversation that you offer with your clients. So you get me excited when you say that, because this is what happens. So I do what's called a two-phase approach whenever I meet or talk with someone about helping with their any of the protection area. And so the first one is always a discovery conversation. And so when I set the appointment, I tell them to allow anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and to know that absolutely during that time, they will not have an opportunity to purchase anything from me, nor will I ask them to. So that way, when we're having that conversation, I'm simply learning how to fulfill what you truly need. And when people come in and sit down with me, they're totally at ease and they will share more with me. And all we're doing is discovering and finding out what's really, really, really important. You don't want to just go buy a health insurance policy. You don't want to just buy a life insurance policy because you can just plug in online and kind of do that. You really need to find out and discover what's really important. Do I need maternity coverage? Do I Is that important on my policy? How much of a prescription? What does my deductible really look like? In this discovery conversation, I talk about 
you know, some of the pluses and minuses for having a higher deductible or a lower deductible or whatever it is, just so they have a real clear understanding of it. So by the time that the end of this discovery first conversation, we have it, they leave anticipating what I have to offer. So by the time we have the second follow-up, then I'm able to lay out options designed around everything we talked about in the discovery conversation. Yeah, that, that consultative approach, I think, is one of the things that makes you unique and makes you stand out. Um, so let's begin to wrap this up. A question I always ask folks has to do with books. Is there a book that you've read recently or in the past that stands out that you would recommend to our listeners? So, yeah, there's a couple of books that I've read uh, recently. One book, though, that always stands out with me. And when I think about this uh, from my standpoint is it's a uh, go for no, go for no. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read that one. I think the guy is Andy Fenton, F-E-N-T-O-N. And one of the things that I like about in that book is that even though it's a sales book, it it, it talks about how important it is in building a business from an entrepreneur standpoint, you're going to run into some roadblocks. You're going to run into some challenges just in the business building standpoint. But you have to kind of continue what your goal is and persevere. And that's where it's real key in that book. That's what I always take away from that book more than just the sales part of it, oh, just keep asking or go here, go there, but stay the course and really, truly uh, persevere and go through what it takes to be successful in, in your business. So go for no. No, I have not read that, but I'll put that on my list to read. We'll also put that in a link in the show notes. And for our listeners, you can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. So thanks for that recommendation. All right, we'll wrap it up here now. Leroy, any last thoughts, parting thoughts for our audience, which again is either folks thinking about making that transition to becoming their own boss or small business owners that are looking to grow or begin to think about these topics that we talked about. Last parting thoughts. So if, if you're thinking about starting your own business, one of the things I really would suggest is that, you know, you get a coach, get a mentor, get somebody that has gone before and, and make sure that you have a supporting cast. Uh, I think that's really, really, really key. You're going to have some challenges, no doubt. But if you have a mentor, a coach and or a supporting cast, I think that's really important. The other thing is try to find out, you know, what is it that you really don't know about the business you want to go into? Because oftentimes, you know, that can be the very thing that that saves you from failure to success. You know, sometimes it doesn't take much for the business not to succeed. And when you look at the failure rate of small business and startups, you know, it can be, it can really be alarming and, and discouraging. That's great advice. And so uh, where can folks go online to find out more about you and uh, Wilkerson Agency? Uh, they can go to um, my website, wilkersoninsuranceagency.com. They can go to Facebook. I'm on there, uh, Wilkerson Insurance Agency on there, and, and they can find me. It, it's pretty easy. They can look me up at LeroyWilkerson.com. It's all going to go right, right to my website. Absolutely. Wonderful. And we'll include those links on the show notes page as well. 
at the How of Business. Lero, thanks for spending this time with us and sharing your knowledge and advice. It's been tremendous. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.